birth to a baby boy this morning, six pounds, five ounces, uh, 6.35 a.m. So we are excited for them and uh, praying for their new baby, Asher Lon Rutledge. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I grew up in Leroy, Illinois. Uh, here's a picture of my hometown, population 3,600. And every Sunday, my mom and dad would take my brother, sister, and I to Mass, either at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Bloomington or St. Mary's Cathedral in Downs. And uh, I grew up really appreciating my Catholic background. Um, and every Sunday, sitting on those uncomfortable wooden pews, we would pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. How many is familiar with the Hail Mary? Okay. Hail Mary isn't just on Saturdays and Sundays uh, when you're watching a football game, your team's down by six, and you've no time left. Hail Mary is something significantly more than that. And some within the extremely large and diverse body of Christ overestimate the importance of Mary, lifting her up as almost equal to God. But I think that Protestants sometimes underestimate the importance of Jesus' mother as a model for how God works in and through us, and people just like you and me. This phrase, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, actually straight comes from Luke chapter 1. The word full of grace is the Greek word keikaritomene, uh, and it means uh, someone who has been filled with grace. Gabriel addresses her as Mary, full of grace. Grace is at the center of the Christmas story. It's at the center of what God was doing 2,000 years ago. Mary was the one person on earth uh, closer to Jesus than anybody else. She knew him in a way that no one else has and no one else ever will. Not just as Savior, but as her son. Not just as Almighty God, but also helpless baby in her arms. I love my son Dex more than life itself. Um, and as hard as I try to make him love me more than he loves his mom, and I try hard. His relationship with his mom is just something special, unique, and beautiful, um, and it's something that I can't duplicate. She knows him more than I do. She'll often say something, something's off with him, John. Uh, I think he might be catching a cold or something. And then I say what every dad says. He's fine, okay? And then the next day he wakes up and he's got a cold. There's something intuitive, that deep relationship that they have. Mary had this unique relationship with her son, Jesus. The redemption of humanity and God's plans to step into our world all hinged on what Mary would say to the angel Gabriel 2,000 years ago. Mary's own body knit together the Messiah. It was her blood that carried nutrients to this child. It was her tender words spoken and sung as mothers only do to the children in their wombs that quiet them, comfort them. Uh, my daughter Ivy is six months old. And, uh, and, and we sing to her. Sarah's got a certain song that she sings to her, and I've got a, a song that I sing to her. Every time I see her, she always smiles really good. And I'm just I'm gonna let you guys in on a little family, you know, classic, okay? Um, this is number one in Ivy's book as far as this, her playlist. It's, uh, 
I, I grab her and I go, Daddy's girl, Daddy's girl, her name again is Daddy's girl. And just big old smile. And then I shake it up. I'll go, there she is, there she is, her name again is, there she is. And then she's just smiling really big. We do dance moves, I'm like, Daddy's girl, Daddy's girl. And then she's, she's doing this, it's, it's amazing. Did Mary sing to Jesus? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Jesus. He will be great 
and, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Powerful story. Uh, everything happens in such an uncommon way and in an uncommon place. And I just wonder what was going through her mind. I read of a police officer pulling out for speeding, and then this was their exchange. The officer said, license and registration, please. And the driver says, well, I don't have one. It got suspended uh, after my 16th fender bender. The officer said, um, may I see the owner's car for this vehicle? Oh, it's not my car. I stole it. The officer says, the car's stolen? Yeah, that's right. But come to think of it, I think the owner's car was in the glove box right where I put my grenade. What? There's a grenade in the glove box? Yes, sir, that's where I put it after I blew up my garage and severely wounded my neighbor's cow. There's a, and, and then, and, and he goes, you're, you've got a grenade? You blew up your neighbor's cow? He says, yeah, but I put the body of the cow in the trunk. There's a cow in the trunk? And he just starts to freak out. So he calls in a superior officer. Hearing this, the captain comes, quickly surrounded by police. And the captain says, license and registrations. And then he hands it to the officer, the, the, the captain. And he says, whose car is this? And he says, it's mine, sir. Do you have a valid registration? He goes, yes. Gives it to him right there. And he says, well, can you slowly open your glove box? And he says, of course. And there's no grenade. And he says, um, can you open the trunk? And he says, yes, and there's nothing in it. And the captain says, sir, this officer, arresting officer, just told me that you have a grenade and a dead cow in your trunk. And the man who got pulled over said, I suppose he told you I was speeding as well. <laughs> the captain says, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Science. <laughs> okay? I was going into 
But God disrupted my life in the form of living in Malawi, Africa for six months when I was 19 years old. And so Jesus trumped politics. <laughs> gives you new dreams that you never dreamed of. Dreams that you never thought you would ever have. You are never settling when you follow Jesus. I really sense that that's for some certain people in this room this morning. That you feel like you've settled in life. And I feel the Holy Spirit saying to you, no, you never settle when you follow God. And God has you in this certain situation, in this certain career, with this family, in these relationships, for such a time as this. There's a purpose behind where you are at the present moment. May the Holy Spirit open up your eyes to see the new dreams awakening in your heart. Right now, could God be disrupting your own life with different situations, different things that you didn't see coming, things that were not in your plans, this is what we learned from Mary. God disrupted her life, and Mary said yes. And we've often missed this great truth uh, in, in, in Christmas story, this dimension of Christmas, that the presence of God is by nature disruptive. When the presence of God is upon us, it disrupts our life, as Mary's life portrays so clearly. He invaded her sense of privacy, her plans. I can't help but wonder, what she's thinking when Gabriel says, you're highly favored. Highly favored? Couldn't you just get everybody like on board with this first? Give a dream to everybody else in my life. And kind of smooth out the rough edges of this plan, God. Couldn't you wait for the epidural to be invented before I'm pregnant? These are the expectations that we all might have at Christmas. It makes Mary's response so striking. I am the Lord's servant, verse 38. May it be to me as you have said. With these very words, Mary forever joins the drama of the Christmas story. Mary let God disrupt her life. Mary surrenders her plans to his presence. Mary places her life in God, and God places his life in her. There lies the secret to the truly merry Christmas. It's about placing our life in God so that God may place his life in us. That is the story of Christmas. It's about placing our life in God so that he can place his life in us. According to Jacob Marley, Dickens' literary business associate of Ebenezer Scrooge, the Christmas spirit meant a regret of lifetime wasted opportunities. To those who make alcohol, the Christmas spirit comes in a bottle, and approximately $75 million worth will be consumed and sold this month. For the green card business, the Christmas spirit means boxes of cardboard, sentiments sent and received. 95% of all Americans will send 5 billion plus Christmas cards this year. And if the malls are any indication, to retailers, the Christmas spirit means moving merchandise off the shelves for larger profits. And at the end of the day, this Christmas season is about God and his invasion of space and time to rescue and redeem humanity through a virgin named Mary. 
It's not about putting the Christ back in Christmas. It's about putting the Christ back in Christians. To center ourselves around Jesus and to live a life accordingly. It's about placing our life in God, which Mary did, and God then places his life in us. There's just something about Mary. Be a good early 2000s movie title. <laughs> Number three, it is this. We often don't operate on faith because we fear the risk. If you're anxious this morning as to how it's all going to work out in your life, if you wonder if going out on the limb for the Lord is going to result in falling out of a tree, then learn the faith of Mary. That when God's in it, it all works out. It all works out. If you're going to have a Merry Christmas this year, it starts with the, this unswerving commitment to the Lord and to His purposes in your life. I read an article of a, a Christmas pageant where the director uh, gets all the kids together and they start getting ready to cast it. And, um, and so the director says, okay, who wants to be Joseph? Nobody raised their hand. Joseph has no lines in the Christmas story or in the entire scripture. If you didn't know that already, listen to last week's sermon. I mentioned it there. <laughs> then the director asks, who wants to be Mary? Everybody. Boy, girl, everybody's hands up. Everybody wants to be Mary. But then something profound hit the director, and he asked these children, do you guys think that Mary wanted to be Mary? Knowing the scandal and the potential punishment that would come of being pregnant without being married in the ancient world, do you think that Mary wanted to be married? This amazing call, all her hopes and dreams of a traditional wedding and family life come to an end. Yet with heart pounding, uncertainty, fear, confusion, and risk, Mary's response is clear. Here I am, servant of the Lord. As we consider that moment of decision for Mary, we see in her life a witness and an example of how we're meant to live. Her mission reminds us that God's call is sometimes difficult. It may lead us to set aside our own plans. It may lead us to give up our own hopes and dreams that we have, that we cherished and built all our lives. It may mean risks. It may be frightening. It must have been hard to imagine what it was like to, to be highly favored by God. Highly favored? And you're asking this? You're asking me to let go of all the dreams I have by plan? Sometimes God asks us to be with people who don't, we don't want to be with. Sometimes God calls us to go to places that we don't want to go. Sometimes God calls us to do things that we don't want to do. And this is part of what Mary's story teaches us. Mary is twice said to be highly favored by God. But a life favored by God, a life of blessing of God, does not mean a life of bliss. It means a life of risk. Just because you're highly favored, just because God's blessing flows through your life, doesn't mean it's a life of bliss. It means it's a life of risk. This is the invitation of the Christmas story, to offer ourselves wholly to God amidst the risk. The safest place you can be is in the will of God. I hope I'm using implications right here. Safest doesn't mean without risk. Uh, in the fall of the year 2000, I was driving my dad's 1988 Chevrolet Beretta. And uh, I was driving to a church small group that I was leading, and I was going to pick up pizzas for this little Bible study of high school students. 
And I remember pulling out on the Sunnyside Avenue, and I just wasn't quite paying as much attention, and I clipped a minivan coming in the opposite direction. The minivan then overcorrected and then slid like 60 feet. And so I was like, oh no, I, felt, I just felt horrible. So I, I parked the Beretta, parked the e-brake, and I run over there, and I help the, the, the mom out, and she goes, my kids. So then I help the kid out, and then they, she said another one. So then I help another kid out. Six kids are in this car. <laughs> I'm feeling worse and worse about myself with every tiny Tim that I'm holding out. It was his birthday. <laughs> you know what I learned? Driving a car is risky. But should I never drive a car because it's risky? Um, my wife and I just went on vacation a couple of weeks ago. We went to Disneyland. Uh, it was the week of Thanksgiving. And Dex went when he was three months old, and now he's four, and so, oh, he's in heaven. So we put that little doggy leash on him, right? So as he's running around, <laughs> um, so we've got him on the leash all day long, but we get ready to be parked by the parade. And he's like so excited to watch the parade. And so we sit him in Ivy's stroller, so he's watching the parade and stuff, and Sarah's with him. And, uh, and all of a sudden, she just gets that mom instinct, and she goes, where's Dex? And another family just walked by, and he thought it was us. And he kind of started walking, and Sarah sees him, and she goes, Dex! And he goes, and he realizes that he's not his mom and dad, and like panic was in his eyes. And she gets up and was like, oh, that was so scary. You will forever be on this leash. <laughs> you know what I learned? Vacation is risky. Should I never go on vacation? Because it's risky. I went on a mission trip to Malawi, Africa for six months. And I stayed with these incredible missionaries. And this one missionary that we stayed with told us of his interaction with a witch doctor in the village that we were living in. And this witch doctor had incredible power, supernatural power. And when they first moved into this region, this witch doctor put on a show for everyone. The missionary walks down the street, and the streets are lined with people from the village. And the, and the missionary's heart is just pounding. And this witch doctor grabs a, a little rabbit that was wrapped in a chitenji, this, this little cloth wrap. And then the rabbit, she, she releases the rabbit, and it goes like this, and the rabbit falls dead. Picks it up, kicks it around, completely dead. Then she looks at the missionary and says, this is what I'm gonna do unless you leave this village. And the missionary just completely panicked. <clears throat> completely panicked. Silently praying, hoping that no one can see the fear that sees his own life. And immediately, after five, ten seconds of staring at each other, this witch doctor turned and ran away. Only to find out later that this witch doctor said that I saw above, now becomes a Christian, goes to the missionary and says, for the first time in my life I saw something that was more powerful than witchcraft. I saw the presence of Almighty God surrounding you, and angels surrounding you, and that's why I turned and ran. And I submitted myself to God. You know what I learned? 
going on a missions trip is risky. Should I not go and serve God anywhere else in the world because it's risky? In March of this year, my wife and I began to really sense that 2017, not 2018 or 2019 or 2020, which was our plans, 2017 was the year we wanted to start Providence Church. You know what I learned as I read book after book on church planning? Planning a church is risky. <laughs> Should I not plan a church because it's risky? Sarah and I have been married for 11 years. When Sarah was pregnant with our first son, Dex, she was beginning to show. And it was kind of exciting, right? Because you're starting to see, oh, a little bit bigger baby, you know, that's cute. <laughs> you can see this, you know, this baby in her belly. And I remember she put on an outfit as we were getting ready to go to dinner one night. She asked, does this outfit make me look fat? <laughs> <laughs> and because she was pregnant, like, and showing, I wasn't really sure what she wanted me to say. Um, and so she asked again, does this outfit make me look fat? And I said, kind of. <laughs> But should I not get married because it's risky? Living out the call that God has placed on your life will always entail risk. But there's nothing better. Just ask Mary. Imagine what Mary would have missed. Was it hard? You bet. The baby years, the teenage years of Jesus. Watching your son be crucified to bear the sins of the world. That's hard. But Jesus is always worth it. Always worth it. I'll close with this. I read an article this week. It's written by a dad who's also a pastor. The dad's name is Phil Calloway. And the title of the article was My Little Shark Hunter. And speaking about his kid, he said that, man, my son always was someone who took risks. He said this. He said he was fearless. I would take him to the ocean. He would jump in looking for sharks. Take him to the mountains, and he'd see how high he could climb. One day when he was five, I watched him horror as he jumped off a roof. Uh, a garbage bag tucked, a garbage bag duct taped to his back. We couldn't be more opposite, my son and I. The higher he climbs, the more he believes God is with him. Not me, I believe God puts us on solid ground. Then he goes on to share an email that his son wrote him his freshman year of college. It says this, it's on the screens. Dear mom and dad, I just want you to know that I met a couple of nice girls and we're planning on getting married in Utah. Not really. Uh, <laughs> but I did meet Lucy. You'll like her a lot. Surprisingly, how quickly you can find the Justice of the Peace down here. Lucy owns a tattoo bar. But seldom works. Her father wants some money in a lottery, so she's set for life. I won't need to work anymore either. I bought a Mercedes convertible, and you'll be happy to know that I put a chrome fish on it. <laughs> then he goes on and says this, if you haven't fainted yet, here's the truth. He was lying. <laughs> it may be more shocking. In the country of Uganda, the Lord's Resistance Army is committing atrocities against children that are too awful for me to put in this letter. 
Over the years, they've abducted 50,000 children and turned the ones they haven't murdered into soldiers. I'd like to work in the streets of Kampala. I'll be living with local missionaries. It will mean lots of needles, and I'll need to raise a little money too. Dad, you once told me that Jesus came to comfort us, not to make us comfortable. I guess I've been comforted enough. It's time to offer some comfort to others. Your son, Steve. Wow. He goes on to share his, he and his wife's response to this. Part of them said, where did we go wrong? Why couldn't he be called as missionary to Hawaii? <laughs> He said, we prayed a lot, and we thanked God a lot. He said, mostly they've been thanking God for a son who's a much improved version of his father. He said, I'm thankful that there are no sharks in Uganda. Jesus was sent on a very dangerous mission and accepted it. Mary and Joseph were given a very dangerous mission, and they accepted it. In the same way God is sending us to be loved and to show love in our extremely dangerous world. Will we accept it? I want to say to you what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. For no word from God will ever fail. What is God calling you to? In what ways is God disrupting your life? Let's pray together. God. We thank you for Mary. We thank you for the risk that she took 2,000 years ago. She said yes to something that completely wrecked her life. That wrecked her plans. That disrupted everything she had always thought. And God, I know you're doing that right now in the hearts of so many in this place right now. You're disrupting our lives and our hearts. In Jesus' name, that the risk you're calling us to, as the Spirit of God is just bringing that to your forefront of your mind, as God is bringing that to your attention right now, I don't know what the risk is, but you do, and God does. God, I pray for an extra blessing and empowerment of faith for us to take the risks you're calling us to. That we would be like Mary and say, may it be done to me as you have said. And no word of God will ever fail. So God, as you speak these words into hearts all across this church, all across the homes of those who are listening online, as you awaken new dreams and other dreams fade aside, God, can we start living out those dreams in Jesus' name? God, give us big dreams. Dreams that we never thought we'd dream. Let us live into that calling, God. We thank you, Jesus. Not just for all the hoopla that comes around this season and lights and trees and stockings and presents and bells and all these. We thank you for Christ alone, cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. God, 
God, that is so true for Mary. You chose the weak and the small and the unwarranted and the unworthy to change the world. And you're still in that business today. Help us to say yes to you. Christ alone, cornerstone. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we declare the praises of our living God together? <laughs>